0: It's a blessing to be here today. It's a blessing to have a special speaker this morning. And I'll turn there in your Bible, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, through chapter 3, verse 4, is our reading for this morning. Go walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in things. You have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensual mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom, the raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above not on things on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will, will appear with him in glory. May God give us understanding the word of God that is read this morning, the text that is preached from, we might apply his truths in right ways healthy ways in our own lives. Please remain standing with me, bow your heads with me in a time of prayer. After prayer, we have a song from our choir and then a messenger of God's word today, Brian C. Kenner. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time to come together. Another Sunday, Lord, the first day of the week, we celebrate Christ. We celebrate his death and his resurrection and what that means to us who believe who trust in him that we have been given new life and this new life is evident in us now and one day all its fullness will be evident as we'll be raised with new bodies that will never die again help us lord encourage our hearts so that we might live according to your truth faithfully trusting in you depending on you we pray lord that you would use your word this morning to encourage to challenge to motivate to equip us so that we um, live the life that you would have us to live we pray for those here today thanking you for each one who's able to come and praying lord that you just open minds and hearts so that we receive your word we pray for those who couldn't be here today i think of my mom who's not feeling well today uh, sore throat and just just some ailments. She said that isn't much but kept her out of church. We just pray that you watch over her. We pray for um, the mothers among us who are expecting Lord. We just pray that you would just help them during this time as they carry those little ones that you would give them health and strength to both them and the child that they carry. We think of Heidi and we think of Michelle. We pray that you would watch over them um, and, and the children that they they carry, and that you would bring about a uh, uh, a healthy child through them, Lord. We thank you for the families that you're bringing these children into, and we just pray, Lord, that you would, uh, all of our parents, all of us as parents would um, just be about your work of, of teaching our children, preparing them for life and for eternity. So, Lord, help us as we go throughout uh, uh, our week this week that we would um, live a life and it be a testimony for christ to open our mouths when you give us opportunity to share your word and that you will use that word to bring individuals to christ this we pray now in jesus name amen
1: and he's a way maker He don't play it 100% right he's still a wayman. man amen he makes a way through notes and no notes amen alright well let me just um, open this up in a word of prayer dear lord we thank you lord for giving me this honor lord to present your word I pray that you would speak through me lord let me be an oracle of you lord I pray that your words would dwell in me I pray that your truth would shine to your people lord And that we would all behold your wisdom. your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to be going through Colossians chapter 2 and the early part of chapter 3. And God put this word on my heart and I thank him for doing so. Um, He put two words on my heart. One was for this week. I um, mean one is for next week where I'm teaching at Gospel Fellowship of Sussex and the reason what happened was um, I was supposed to teach at Sussex Ephesians 4 1 through 16 and as I was teaching and studying through Ephesians 4 1 through 16 um, the other pastor he was like well maybe you should teach this a sweet communion too because it's going to be two weeks in a row I said I don't know man I don't really want to teach the same sermon but As I was studying through, I found Colossians, and Colossians is so similar to Ephesians. And so I was able to teach two different sermons, but at the same time, teach something I didn't have to learn too much differently, but still a little bit different. And so the beauty of Colossians and Ephesians is that they amplify each other. And so I encourage you, when you read through those, um, maybe try to read through them together, because as you look at those books, you're going to see God's word teaching itself. So when we get into Colossians chapter 2, it starts off first with a guide. And the guide is this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And that's the crux of the whole book. That's the crux of the whole book because it says, as you have received Jesus Christ, right? Therefore, it's talking about stuff that came before. And what came before? Colossians is all about how Jesus comes first. Jesus comes first, Jesus did it all, Jesus is the only way. Even this sermon is entitled, In Christ. We got songs, In Christ Alone, I could have picked that title, but it's In Christ we stand. So it says, therefore, right, because of all you've learned, walk in him. And that's the rest of the book, right? That's why you should treat your wife right and your wife's, the wives should treat their husband right. And you should parent right. And you should treat your boss right. And you should treat your employees right. Because now that you have received Christ, now you're walking in him. This is the whole crux of the whole book. This is the crossroads between all the theology of the first part and all the practical stuff of the second part. Now, he says this phrase. He says, as you have received Christ. Now, let me make it very important to you because that's not a throwaway phrase the reason he says as you have received Christ is because first off that church was dealing with a lot of false teachers as we are dealing with false teachers there are more than one versions of Jesus out there and the Jesus he's talking about receiving is not the Jesus that you see hippie Jesus It's not Jesus that doesn't speak about hell It's not any version other than the version of Jesus that's presented in God's word that you see taught in this church, that Paul taught, that Timothy taught, that Peter taught, that Jesus was. That's the Jesus that you should receive. There's only one version of Jesus that's correct. There's lots of different versions of Jesus, but it's not good enough to get close. You have to receive Jesus the actual Jesus. I look at these Muslim brothers out there. They want to say Jesus was a good man. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. With God, being close is not good enough. Being close is an eternity away from God. So he says, walk in him, which means steady and consistent progress, right? Right? Steady and consistent progress. In other words, the Christian faith is not a sprint, even though we may want it to be. The reason why God brings us through different trials and struggles, the reason why God lets us be sick sometimes, and God lets people die sometimes, and he puts us through surgeries and makes us pray and makes us have doubts, is because we're walking. We are not at the end goal yet but we are making progress. He says, rooted and built. And what he talks about with rooted and built is you get the picture of a plant, don't you? And in the image of a plant, don't you see God's sovereignty? Because no plant plants itself. In fact, what seed springs life, we have no way of knowing. If you throw a hundred seeds out on the ground, there's no way you could predict which one is going to grow and which one is going to remain dead. And even when the seed does bring life, the seed doesn't bring the sunlight on itself. It didn't plant itself near nutrients for its roots to gather. It didn't plant itself and know what the rain patterns would be. Even if it did know what the rain patterns were, it has no way of controlling those rain patterns. A plant is completely subject to the will of the creator, just as we are. None of us planted ourselves. None of us watered ourselves. None of us chose to be born in the sun. But that's how we are. We are rooted in Christ. We're trusting in God. And then he throws this phrase in there, he says, abounding in thanksgiving. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving why the thanksgiving well let me say this it's impossible to think sinful and be thankful at the same time one of the great Christian leaders I was reading what he said and he said thanksgiving is the guardian of the soul because when you are thankful to God about things you cannot be lustful you cannot be greedy you cannot be hateful You can barely be sad. When you are thankful towards God, you are starting to receive God's word in the way that he intends it to be received. This is what I encourage all believers to do in that first step, right? The very first part is our guide. Verse six and seven is our guide. The way to accomplish verse six and seven is when you are in doubt, when you have struggles, when you're thinking you're about to sin, recite something that you're thankful for. walk in the Christ that we preach but then the second part is in him read verse 8 through 15 I'm going to emphasize all the times it talks about in him or with him it says in verse 8 see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ for in him were dead and trespasses in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him you can't read Verse 8 through 15, without understanding, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. First off, he starts off, he says, don't be fooled. See to it that nobody takes you captive by philosophy. And the whole thought about it is not saying that philosophy, you go to school, don't take that class. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's talking about is the type of wisdom that tries to pretend that it is more knowledgeable than the things of God. In other words... When you go on turn on the TV and it says studies show spankings are harmful to children, that's wisdom that's exalted against God because God says, spank your children. Right? He said discipline your children and he will give you peace. Right? That's what God's word says. God's word says, why submit to your husband? So when you turn on the, the, the TV and somebody comes up from the Women's Action Network, And they're saying that women don't need men. Well, now you understand that that is exalting itself above the teachings of God. When somebody gets on TV and they say the way to stop gun violence is to take away the guns, and you know that it's the human heart that causes sin, you know that's a thought that exalts itself against the teachings of God, and so it ought to be rejected on that basis. That is philosophy. And he describes it in a number of different ways, right? He says philosophy... He uses another phrase in there. He says, empty deceit. What is empty deceit? Empty deceit is you got tricked and you got nothing. (laughs) According to human tradition. What is human tradition? It's just stuff that we've been doing because we've been doing it. People act like because you've been doing it is right. No. It doesn't mean you've been doing the wrong thing for so long you forgot you was doing it. Well, I teach all my kids about Santa Claus. Well, I'm sorry. Well, you know, people lie too. That's not right. Don't go home and teach your kids about Santa. That's not a tradition that you should have adopted from God's word. I'm actually, this is a little side point, but I'm actually bothered how much Santa is getting all these qualities in our art. He is the spirit of Christmas. He's the spirit of goodness. He's sacrificial. He's loving. He knows all things. That diminishes the qualities of God, especially when it's attributed to something that we know to be a lie. That we want our kids to believe because we think it's cute. That's a problem. That is a problem. That's not a good thing. It is not cute. Just like when my child lied to me, that's not cute. That's a spanking. according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to christ now we can get thrown off by the elemental spirits of the world but what he basically means by that phrase is this you know how when we take communion, we say these are the elements and what he's talking about is there are religious rituals people will follow and they think that that saves them i was watching a simpsons episode once and one guy he jumped in front of somebody else to take his baptism for him and then he got up and he said saint augustine said such and such he had never talked like that before and they really thought that being baptized would somehow make him just change into something different that's what he's talking about people who think going through a ritual will make you something different than you really are there are people who do that with their talk they go and they say brother sister and all this stuff that they don't talk like monday through friday Oh, praise the Lord Jesus, hallelujah. And it's like, did that sentence even make sense? No, but they thought it was holy. It's God what he good. People think that because they get married that that's going to make their relationship right. Let me tell you, that's a wrong way of viewing it. Again, that's an elemental spirit of the world. You took something that maybe has some element of God or some element of worship to it, and now you're trying to establish it to, and I don't care. I'm not just talking about man versus man and woman-woman marriages. I'm talking about people who've been living together 20 years and they decide to get married. Guess what? <laughs> that don't make everything you've been doing in the past right. You still need to ask forgiveness for the life that you led before that point because that was against God. And when you acknowledge that, it's only going to strengthen your bond with God and yourselves. And I don't say that just to condemn. I say that to free you from the guilt of sin. When we ask and we confess and we forsake our sins, there's a weight that will fall off your shoulders. You'll be skipping He says, don't be fooled by these things. And the reason we shouldn't be fooled by these things is because they're not according to Christ. And then you look at all the things that are in Christ, and let's just summarize them again. The things in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Christ, in other words, Christ is God. In him exists all there is to know about God. There is no other. Don't look for anywhere else for God other than in Jesus Christ, because once you found Jesus, you found God, and that's the end of the story. In Christ, there's fulfillment. Stop looking for fulfillment in food and drinks and women and men. It doesn't matter where you look. You're not going to find it if you're not looking in Jesus Christ. In Christ, we're circumcised without hands. What does he mean by that? He ain't talking about something painful. He's talking about something where we cut off the sinful desires of the flesh and we cast it aside and now it's gone and we don't worry about it anymore. And when it first happens, maybe it is painful. But afterwards, you thank God that it's gone. In Christ, we're buried in baptism. What does he mean as he's saying this? Every Christian who has followed the teachings of Jesus knows that after you get saved, you're supposed to be baptized. And the baptism symbolizes the fact that we died to this world. But we don't just die, we are raised in faith. In Christ, we disarm Satan. The phrase, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, that doesn't apply unless you are in Christ. People saying that phrase just because they want to say that phrase is only applicable when you are in Christ. I just hate when people say these phrases around and then they don't want to live no way like the phrase applies. In Christ alone will you have no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Otherwise, every weapon formed against you will prosper. And it is prospering because you are not in Christ. In Christ, you win the victory. The victory is promised, but only in Christ. If you're not in Christ, it's not promised. A loss is promised. That's why it's foolish to not do things according to Christ, right? He says, don't be taken captive because if we are taken captive from Christ, we lose all these benefits. Verse 16 through 19 he starts to tell us a command he gives us two commands and they both start with let no one right both commands start with let no one and the first one is let no one pass judgment now i know people gonna misuse this one but it's in the scripture so it's there for a reason and the whole point of it is this not to say nobody tell me nothing no it's to say let nobody outside of christ pass moral judgment on what is in christ In other words, let me be really blunt, when we make a moral judgment in this church and we cast somebody out of the church and church discipline, somebody outside might say that's heartless. That's none of their business. They have no stake in saying that. They don't know what it's like to be in Christ. They don't know the commands of what we have to do. They don't know how seriously we take this work. So when they sit there and say that's heartless, they don't even know what love is or so how they know what's heartless. You know what's heartless is not being in Christ. That's what's heartless. We doing church discipline so this person can turn around and realize that what they doing is sending them straight to hell. What's heartless is to act like that's not happening and get along with them and shake their hand and smile in their face while they on their way to hell. That's heartless. You will be getting me upset. I'm sorry. when people try to pass judgment on the things that are in Christ they ought to be rejected and that don't mean that we have to be all rude to them but I'm telling you give me a little <sighs> but he's also talking about let no one pass judgment on you with their religious rituals he talks about that in questions of food and drink regard to a festival a new moon or a Sabbath and what he's talking about is this there are different things people do that make them think they are religious. And they will use those things to pass judgment on you. Oh yeah, I fast during Lent. Well, that's good. But just because I don't, don't mean anything. That fasting or not fasting doesn't mean anything unless it's to the Lord. And if it's in the Lord, well, that's good for you. If it's not in the Lord, well, it's doing nothing for you. And what happens is people become religious. And what I mean by this is, it's sorry to say, but it's mainly a lot of the black churches like this. Well, we do all these things in these displays and we get up there and we shout and we dance. And in the end, we go home with the same dirty souls that we came in with. Why? Because we did not do it according to the scripture. And what happens is, Verse 17, it says, these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. What happens is people get stuck on the veneer and not on the substance. In verse 18, it says, let no one disqualify you. This is the second let no one. And don't disqualify you by spiritualism or sensuality or ignorance. And basically what I'm talking about is if you were at the funeral for my cousin a few weeks ago, People were getting up saying things that they had no way of knowing. And they meant well. But there was no way they could know the things that they claimed to have known. Oh, yeah, is looking down on us. She's saying this. Tell you, you have no way of knowing that. You have no vision in heaven, and I know you don't. Why are you saying those things? People come up, oh, you're going to be blessed. How do you know that? How you know that? You don't know what I'm doing at home. I could be doing something sinful at home. You don't know that. Be careful not to say anything beyond what you know. Because that's the essence of false religion, is to speak about things we don't know with confidence like we do. Because what happens is people say, say, oh yeah, I feel a spirit of good in you. You cannot feel that. That's something that you have to see over time. Even if you do feel it, you need to confirm it. There are people, I don't get, I'm not saying that people can't feel that. People can feel it. You know, you might be able to feel something from me in this sermon, but you know what? You better confirm it before you go and tell somebody else about it with any kind of confidence. Because the things of God that we know that we should be talking about are all concrete. Guess what they've written down? You don't have to Guess. It's so much in this Word. Look at all these thousands of pages. It's so much to say that's concrete. Why would we waste time saying anything about anything that's not? That's what bothers me. It's a waste of time. Now I got to dig and figure out if you really had a vision. Why? When I know Paul had a vision. When I know John had a vision. When I know Daniel had a vision. I have to worry about your vision. Then it's like, okay, now I'm looking at your vision. I already know it's false because you're bragging. God never gave nobody a vision for themselves. So let nobody disqualify you. And what happens is people get overly spiritual. Don't be intimidated by that. Don't think, oh, this person is more spiritual than me. They know all this mystical knowledge. Don't be fooled by that. It's a con job. Because he says what they're doing is they're not holding on to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows for the growth that is from God. What happens to those people who maybe they do get saved, right? But they latch onto that spirituality stuff that they don't really know if they don't grow. That person will be the same Christian at age 25 as they will be at 55 and 85, having learned very little. That's because they're not holding on to their head from which, who is Christ? when Christ there's growth there's no possibility of growth without Christ it says the whole body is nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God there is no such blessing if we're not in Christ and then finally it begins with two ifs it ends with two ifs If with Christ, and then in chapter 3, verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ. And he's talking about two things here. And the first one, he says, if with Christ you died, right? If we're with Christ, if we're in Christ, then we die with Christ. He says, if you're in Christ and you died, then die to old religion. Die to your old sin, he says in this let's read this verse 20 if with christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world why as if you are still alive to the world do you submit to regulations do not handle do not taste do not touch referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh he says, consider yourself dead to the things that have no value. And what I mean by that is, and what he means by that is this there's a whole world out there of things that sound good. And they claim to combat sin, but they have no power to stop sin. You can go to your psychologist, and he can tell you about your anger problem. But if you don't have the root of the spirit that has self-control in you, you will not solve that issue. And what happens, the world solutions, what they do is they take sin and they just put it in another slot. Right? Think of it this way. God's solution to sin is to clean up sin and throw it out. The world's solution to sin is to rearrange it and make it look different. In other words... We got a whole bunch of dirt in our house and the world is making sandcastles. Sandcastles. That's what the world is doing with our dirt. They turn it into something good. Oh yeah, we can rearrange this. We can use this. Oh, it's not your problem that you attracted the children. We just can't act on that. This is what's being taught. Oh, yeah, yeah, you you a boy and you want to be a girl, that's cool. It's not, well, that's not that's not a good thought. That's not a rational thought. No, it's that's acceptable. And what we do with worldly solutions is we take sin and we accept it. Or we try to attack sin with something that has no power to defeat sin. And what I'm telling you is you're gonna end up like in the scriptures you ever seen read about the sons of Sceva in the book of Acts there were some sons of Sceva they were he was a high priest and they went behind Paul and they said oh in the name of the son of 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 Jesus who, who Paul preaches we try to cast out this demon and what happened the demon hopped on them and he beat them good and they all ran out naked and the whole point of that was to say this without Christ you don't have the power to confront these things you have no business trying to confront these things. You could tell by the way our prison system is working, and by the way our education system is working—or should we say, not working—that these institutions have no power to combat sin. Now, it's another problem when they take God out of it, but it's the whole—the issue is, is that these institutions can't really do anything about sin. All they can do is put you out. And in prison, you can't do nothing with these people because they already going to be knuckleheads, right? And so you're sitting there trying to deal with these people and the solution is a changed heart. You can't tell nobody what your daddy used to beat you and that's why you steal. No. Now, your daddy beat you and guess what? That probably did cause some problems on you. But those problems can only be solved by Jesus Christ because he has to learn, you have to learn what a brother you have now. You have to learn who a father is from God the Father. You got to learn how what a mother is from the ladies in the church. And as you get established in those things, you start to relearn what the relationship should be. And then as you relearn them, you reshape your spirit, and now you want different things, and now you no longer want to steal. Because in Christ, you are circumcised with a circumcision without flesh. In Christ, those desires get cut off. But without Christ... All you're doing is dressing up the same old problems. He says in verse 23, These indeed have an appearance of wisdom, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have been raised, right? First he says, if you have died with Christ. Now, if you have been raised with Christ. But he's not just talking about the resurrection of Christ. Because look closely. He says, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He's not just talking about Christ being raised from the dead. He's talking about where is Christ at right now? He is sitting on the right hand of God in his own throne. In other words, Christ didn't just get raised, he ascended into heaven. And now he is sitting down because his job is done. And when we do the right thing, what we need to be doing is looking and saying, where is Jesus at right now? He's sitting ruling everything. We may say, man, why is the world so messed up if God is ruling everything? That's because it's his plan that's being revealed. We don't know every detail of his plan. But his plan is to slowly open up opportunities for everybody to be saved. And then after that, he's shutting it all down. The only reason he has not come back yet is because he has given opportunities for those of us to be saved who are not saved. He has given an opportunity for the church to work. Who says, if you have been raised with Christ, where did Christ go, right? If we're going to follow Christ, we're going to end up where Christ is. So we ought to be seeking the things that belong where Christ is, not the things that we'll be leaving behind set your minds on the things that are above not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God when Christ who is your life appears then you will also appear with him in glory what is he talking about there he's talking about when Christ returns now right think about all the ways of Christ that we've learned here we talked about how he died we talked about how he rose and how that helps us right we talked about even how his ascension helps us how when he's sitting at God's throne, how that helps us? Even when he returns. Because we yearn for his return, that's what keeps us centered on him. That's why he says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. In Christ, we walk as we received him. The real Christ from the Bible. Verse 8 through 15. In Christ, in him, we have all these things. That's why we should not be taken in by empty philosophies. In Christ, we have a new way. So let's not let those who are outside of Christ try to tell us something different. Verse 16 through 19 verse 20 through 23 if Christ we die let's not let those things that are in the world affect us and if in Christ we live let's focus on where Christ lives let's do everything with the goal of climbing upwards to where Christ is where he is sitting at the right hand that should be our focus and if our focus is not there we're focused on the wrong thing let's pray Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us to your word, Lord. We thank you for your spirit being with me, Lord, to teach me these things, Lord, so I could speak of these things. We pray that us, the hearing, Lord, your spirit will make your word be effective, and I pray, Lord, that you would just make your word effective in us, Lord. Help us to live out these things. In your name we pray, amen.